0: Hi, my name is Matt Wilbanks. I am Chief Marketing Officer at Security Gate. Welcome to the first episode of the Security Gate podcast, where we strive to help people become leaders and experts at cybersecurity risk management. The episode you're about to listen to is an interview with a couple of our engineers, where we discuss a blog post we currently put out on the top three things to focus on when you're building a risk management program. We hope you enjoy the interview, Uh, please send us feedback. We'd love to know what you like, what you don't like, Uh, and you can email me directly. My email is matt, M-A-T-T, at securitygate.io. Thanks so much, we hope you enjoy it. Okay, hi everyone, thanks for joining us this morning. Um, I'd like to welcome you to the first one of our live Ask Me Anything sessions. Um, Thanks for joining again. As mentioned, this is the first time we're doing this, so we're trying out a whole bunch of different things. We'll uh, take the best from this and move forward with them and figure out the things that don't work and adjust from there. Um, So what we thought we'd do first off is just kind of give a little introduction so you know who you're watching or who you're listening to. Um, Why don't we start, uh, Mick, why don't we start with you? You wanna introduce yourself? Tell us a little about uh, your background?
1: Good morning, everyone. My name is Mick Vaughn. I am a SME with Security Gate. Um, part of my responsibility with Security Gate presently is to to learn to ingest the platform, to know everything I can know about it. Um, also, to help guided assessments for our clients. Also, um, one of the very interesting duties is to, on a daily basis. Uh, I share the duties of watching the security posture of our organization um, from our IT standpoint. Um, my background uh, I was with uh, another company where one of the co worker or co-founders and I um, actually were co-workers. And uh, we did assessments with spreadsheets. And the, the co-founders came up with a way to do this um, using this platform, which is really amazing, um highly scalable. And uh it just just does a lot of the things that we used to do with spreadsheets. Uh it just does them in an automated fashion.
0: Awesome. And we also have Brent here. Brent you want to introduce yourself? Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh my name is Brent Gage. Um honestly
2: the Metgabe, oh, there's now <laughs> I don't want to just repeat everything you said. We're basically serving <laughs> a role the company. Um yeah, uh, pretty much his entire intro. I also worked with one of the founders and Mick at a previous company. We share a
1: brain cell. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. Well, it's uh, it, it's great to uh, to have you guys joining in with us uh, for this. You know, we uh, we were talking uh, weeks ago about um, how we can kind of pool more of the engineering talent and experience that we have around cybersecurity from everybody's background um, and, and use that to help, uh, our customers, um, other people who reach out to us for advice. Um, and one of the things that we talked about doing was creating a knowledge base of content that could be searchable, that could be watchable, listenable. Is that a word? <laughs> um, we, we wanted to be able to take from our experience and from the things that we lo- learned from our customers and be able to give back to the community. And so this, um, this recording is uh, is an example of that. Um, we wanted to start off with something that we thought might resonate for people who are getting their cybersecurity risk management programs uh, either off the ground or from a point where they are right now to growing it maybe a little bit bigger. Um, and so what we did is we we put together this blog post of the first three or the top three things to focus on uh, when you're getting your cybersecurity program going. And um, the idea behind this uh, this event today was not to take up a whole bunch of time. Uh, It was to carve out 20 minutes and let's have a conversation about this topic. Um, So that's what we're going to do. Um, If you are joining us, uh, if you're watching this later, if you're listening to this on the podcast, uh, you can go to securitygate.io, Uh, find our blog and you'll see the uh, you'll see the post right there Um, so guys why don't we why don't we go ahead and jump into this so um, as we were talking about this topic uh, before when we were putting the blog post together um, the question was what are the the top three or the first three things that anyone should focus on when they're when they're getting their program going and you guys very, very quickly came back uh, without much hesitation and, and said it was buy-in, baseline, and budget. Um, so let's, let's just take these one at a time and kind of talk through them. Um, whoever wants to take this, what, tell us about buy-in. What, what is buy-in? Can, can we define that a little bit? Brent,
2: I think you're on <laughs> uh, mute. Okay, so buy-in. Um,
1: this is where you have managerial um, support or C-suite support for the program. Um, without that support, without breaking through what actually might be silos and, and having oversight and governance, um, you're not going to get anywhere. Your, your program is not going to go very far. So buy-in is extremely important.
2: Yeah, i uh, I like to add there's a couple couple reasons uh you need buy-in. Um a big one is just when you when when you take the next step. Um honestly, it's it it can take it can be very, very difficult to get everybody sit down to answer the questions you need to to baseline your area without the buy-in. You have to have top-down uh top-down leadership promote, endorse, and make it a priority for their employees. Uh without which you, it's almost impossible to gather all the information. And then once you continue the process. There's things that require participation as well. Um, Many different steps in in the process require getting people set down in a meeting room and discussing things because a lot of it's a judgment call when you're managing this. And without the stakeholders involved, you can't make a
0: judgment. Yeah. How how do you figure out who do you need to get buy-in from?
2: It's gotta be upper management. Um, And really it depends on the organizational structure of the company. Uh, typically, you're going to want a CTO, CTO uh, someone of someone C-suite, though, um, for a larger organization, a smaller organization. Uh, you're going to need the CEO.
1: Uh, you're also going to need to involve whoever the risk rolls up to you. Um, that is the person or persons or organizations that drive things if the risk rolls up to them they're going to want to understand their risk posture throughout the organization and that's where the the, the impetus to actually get things done it, it stems from
0: so part part of the way um, maybe that you might come across or, or might figure out who, who owns that that risk or that specific, control or something that you're working on um, is probably by doing some sort of a baseline assessment. Would, would that be correct? Is there a, another way that you guys have used or, or talked to other people about, about figuring out who, who do you get support from? Who do you get buy-in from? Are you,
2: are you saying uh, you need to run the assessment to find out who you get buy-in from?
0: Well, yeah, so I guess the question is is if 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 this was a new program and um, and aside from getting some leadership influence to help drive the program forward, um, understanding who else you might need to go to in order to get their support for answering assessment questions or things like that, um, would you go through kind of a mini? assessment process to figure out, Oh yeah, these are the teams that I need to go get buy-in from so that when we're running a full assessment, they're, they're bought in They're uh,
2: uh, Kind of, it's really more important for the next phase because you, once you identify the gap, yeah. So yeah, it's the first part. You're just going to ask upper management who, what areas of responsibility, who would know about this, who would know about that. And you might learn more. Uh, but typically when you're looking for uh, once you do the, uh, Yes, once you do the baseline, then you know exactly who you need to involve and who will be the stakeholders, and making the change.
1: You know something too. One of the older frameworks that people kind of overlook is the ITIL framework. Mm-hmm. Uh, that informs a lot of decisions. ITIL pretty much targets who who holds what controls. So don't forget about the old ITIL frameworks. They actually do have a place still.
0: So mm-hmm. talking about frameworks actually is a is a good segue into the the next segment of. Uh, of the topic so that the the first thing that you should focus on is is buy-in the second is baseline um what is baseline when you guys wrote back real quick and said baseline is is one of the things that they should focus on what what did you mean by that
2: well i mean that's just finding exactly where you're at what your security posture is it's figuring out um what controls you have, what controls you need, who owns responsibility. Uh, From that, you can determine how you remediate. But you have to know where you are before you figure out where you're going. If I might add, it's your situational awareness. It's knowing the state
1: of your organization, of your information system, because you're, you're actually assessing a number of things. So it's the situational awareness, knowing what state Either your organization or your information system is in that you're assessing.
0: And to, to, to understand that, to understand the state of where everything is at today, um, you, you mentioned a second ago, Mick, that the ITIL framework uh, is a good one that, that has been used a lot for, for doing this type of thing. How do you figure out what is the right framework for your company?
1: So you have statutory and regulatory um, drivers that could very well tell you exactly what framework to go to. If if you uh, are maritime, there are there are specific drivers for those types of engagements and assessments. So um, again, um, knowing what what the statutory and possibly regulatory drivers are that will point you in pretty much the right direction. I'll say 60%. The other 40%, you're going to need to understand what it is that you actually
0: intend to accomplish. Mm. So what's the end game? And the end game that, that could be compliance to some standard, a client standard, a regulatory body. Absolutely.
1: Um, so you have Bessie for, for, um, Drilling ships. Bessie tells the drill ships what to do. You have something called the WSOG, which is the Well-Specific Operating Guidelines. These things tell you that here's where your assessment path lies, because this yeah. is your Well-Specific Operating Guidelines. Uh, so you you take all those things. Those are your regulatory and statutory drivers, and they push you towards basically um what type of assessment so you might want to do a DFAR you might want to do um you know whatever maritime uh, BIMCO there's there's a number
0: and we do have uh we have these out of the box so there there are um there are a lot of frameworks that are very very industry specific um there are also frameworks that are much more generalized um uh, IT frameworks that could be used across lots of industries. Presumably, those more generalized frameworks um, that you could use across many different industries have have questions in them that might not apply to your business. Um, Do you have to use all the questions? Um, How how do you go about using a a framework that's much more general? Or you'd have to take... uh... You have to take
2: assumption of risk uh, so there's certain areas if it does not apply to the company and it does, it's not something you need to control for you get upper management to sign off so you've accepted this risk uh, now there's certain area, if you're in certain areas uh, regulatory bodies or clients might clients usually accept that regulatory bodies might it depends on the regulatory body uh, but typically if you're under a regulatory body, most of those controls that they're asking for are going to apply to you
0: yeah. You mentioned something else about, um, accepted risks there so that they you know, unless you're, unless you're working towards an assessment that says you have to be in compliant with these three things, um, there may be some risks that as a business, you decide that we're just going to accept this for now and, and move forward. Absolutely. Um, how, when, when you guys are talking to our customers, when, you, when you've worked with people in the past about reviewing the risk that they've found through an assessment, how, how, how do you advise that they make a decision about whether or not to accept a risk and, and move forward or, or not?
2: Well, cybersecurity risk management is a lot like any other kind of risk management. There are areas you look at probability, you look at, uh, at how impactful it could be to the company uh these things these factors it's going to be at the end of the day a judgment call which is why it's up to upper management to make the decision but uh we can provide our expertise in the probability and the amount of impact it would have after you have to you have to baseline first though before you can provide that information without the baseline it's, it's very difficult to get that information um there's something we've incorporated in a program called a risk registry it kind of formalizes the process and automates it uh for upper management um, It really, honestly depends. At the end of the day, it's a business. So if it if it impacts your bottom, if it if it's too expensive to enact, you can't do it. Uh, too many or too many resources, and the probability is low enough that you've accepted it. I would re- recommend writing it off. Of course, once again, this does not work for regulatory bodies necessarily. Right, makes sense.
0: So, so
1: we, we always included uh, when we did that analysis on risk um, a risk matrix which basically it, it goes uh, in two directions on, on two different, uh, um, hor- the, the, there's a the vertical horizon and there's the, the, the you know, horizontal. And um, your risk basically looks, it goes green from one end to red on the other end. And again, like Brent was saying, it's based on, okay, so how likely is this risk to materialize? You've got to kind of come up with that. And I, I know these things are kind of hard to quantify and it ends up being a chart. Like he says, it's very subjective. Um, but you have to start somewhere, but you have to have an idea of what an organization's appetite for risk is. If they have a high appetite for risk, they may let things slide. Uh, that's good. Um, if they have a low appetite for risk, it's going to be very, very costly for that or type of organization to mature. So you have to find a happy medium um, and you're probably going to have to do a, a really, what looks like a simple risk matrix and uh, try to kind of go from there.
0: It can be kind of a, a a difficult process because there's, you know, you have to have a good understanding of um, the severity of these risks in and of themselves, but then you also have to take in the context of the business and how it's operating and what's a priority for the business right now so that you can then determine okay the severity of this risk in this context is really not that big of a deal to us right now but this other thing that might not be a big risk for another company is a big deal to us right now Um, you know these types of conversations some of these are, are where our own company was founded out of is you know, spreadsheets of data and matrices, and trying to understand these things and make judgments about what to do, um, led to the genesis of Security Gate and automating some of these things and uh, making the process uh, a little bit easier. Exactly. We won't get into a uh, we won't get into a sales pitch about Security Gate, but just just interesting that understanding how difficult these conversations can be.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I want to mention, though, this is another place where buy-in is uh, is critical. Uh, you need everybody involved in the systems that are going to be affected, everybody that works with these systems. They're going to know more about the system's functionality than the C-suite management. So they need yeah. to be told this priority. Threat risk matrix is a very big area where buy-in
0: is critical. Makes sense. Uh, well, let's see. We've got So we've gone through buy-in, and then we just talked about baseline understanding where uh where we are with the state of things right now um let's go to the third item which is budget um man budget is a conversation for everyone right now seems like no matter what industry you're in uh times are challenging and uh budgets are being cut all over the place and everyone is asked is that being asked to do more with less and um this type of environment probably will continue for some time. So the budget conversation is a good one to have. Um, So as the third of the top three things to focus on when you're building your cybersecurity program, how do you figure out how much budget you need? How do you come to those answers?
2: Well, I mean, that's the baseline. That's what the baseline is for. Combination of the baseline and uh, the threat risk matrix is where you determine how much money you need. You find out how much money they're willing to spend on their security, and you prioritize the things based on their risk tolerance. And occasionally, those those two things may not meet up. In which case, decisions have to be made. Um, ideally, you'd be able to spend as much as you need to get it secure. That's right? what all cybersecurity engineers dream of. But it's not. It's not. It doesn't happen that way. Uh, all a matter of balancing your priorities. But I would say always shoot just like time. Always shoot for twenty percent more than you think you need because you're probably end up needing.
0: So when we uh, we had talked um, previously about how going through that first full baseline assessment um, and and then using that information is is really how you come up with the budget that you want to operate on and start prioritizing decisions about what controls to focus on and. but oftentimes, in order to uh, in order to run that initial baseline assessment, you've got to have some type of budget just to be able to do that assessment. Um, so we we find ourselves in a little bit of a, a chicken and egg situation of I need you. I need a budget to figure out what budget I have, what I can get. Um, I, I need a budget to be able to do that assessment. Is it is it Reasonable to think in most situations that if this is a new program and and you've been hired on to do this job that that there is some expectation of some budget that is built in for you to get off the ground and get started. Is that a reasonable expectation? Um, how, how do you guys how do you guys counsel people that are you know just maybe it's a you know a one person risk management program? and they're trying to get things off the ground. How, how do you talk to them about this? Where do they start?
2: Well, typically, the buy if you've got proper buy-in, they will release initial budget for things like that. Um, if you have enough expertise, specifically in the field you're in, specifically with the conditions they're in, uh, you might be able to estimate, uh, you could you, you would know what questions to ask and you'd be able to create a gap analysis from that. Unfortunately, there's so wide ranging, so many different frameworks, so many different industries, and everybody needs this stuff. Yeah. And not to mention there's kind of a, a dearth in the market uh, for people that are qualified to do so. So the issue becomes really how fast can you read? If you have no budget done, you need to get online, figure out figure out which frameworks you should use, uh, find out if somebody's written, written uh, questions for the controls. If not, you're gonna have to write your own and then do the assessment internally using spreadsheets and uh, individual meetings. Now, ideally, in terms of commercial, but
0: ideally, if you can free up just a little bit, we've automated a lot of that process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, I, I mean that's it's, that's why we're here to to help with this stuff. And um, you know if, whether or not you're interested in security gate software, if you have questions about where to get started, of course we're always able to take phone calls and 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 help people out. Um, we've been doing these things for a long time. Um, okay, so we've we've talked about. Um, getting buy-in, running your baseline assessment, and then figuring out uh, what your budget should be, um, so that you can run the program. Um, after that, it's really kind of up to you to go work with your leadership team and figure out what to prioritize on and, and what those things are going to cost. Would would you give um, would you advise on any uh, next steps after that? Um, what what is the what does the process typically look like for uh, for a program after you get beyond these three steps?
2: Well, then you gotta you gotta prioritize and uh, create a POAM. Uh, you need to figure out exactly how long it's gonna take to fix something, who will be involved in it, and what they need to do. And then you need to stick with your program. What does that acronym stand for, Brent? Oh man, put me on the spot with acronyms. Plan, uh, plan of action. Plan of
0: action and milestones, I believe. There you go plan of action and milestones, and something that uh, occurred to me as, as I was reading through this was that, um, you know, these three things to focus on for a new program might be a great place to start, but it almost seems like these three things kind of never go away, you know, even after your baseline assessment that, you know, if you're working on making improvements, you're going through remediation processes, you, you've hit your compliance checklist, next year you're kind of at the starting point again of absolutely you know you're you're constantly in a who do i need to get buy-in from so that i can focus on this next control uh, you know what what is it going to take to get those controls in place are those even the ones that we should be focused on how much is that going to cost it, it's kind of a cycle that that just keeps that just keeps going you you kind of answered your question it's communication <laughs> So you've got to communicate
1: because like you said, none of these things are going to go away. It's going to keep coming again. Um, it's cyclical. So if you don't have good communication and you, know, you find yourself blindsided, your program is going to go away. But if you yeah. have good communication uh, throughout the organization, um, you, you shouldn't have too many blindsided events. You're going to have events that might surprise you, but they're not going to catch you
0: completely unaware. Good communication seems like right at the center of just about every challenge that that you have in business, all about communication. Pretty much. Well, we are up against the clock here. Uh, We promised that we wouldn't keep everybody uh, for too long, that this could be a a short, manageable uh, event here so that uh, you're not stretching your attention span and it can just be a quick jump in and get some knowledge and go. Um, any last final words, anything that, uh, that you guys want to leave our audience with today?
2: I uh, just said, I know there were probably some questions popped in. We didn't get, you had earlier, we didn't get to anybody that's got individual questions. We will work our best to send you some emails, uh, come up with anything you didn't think to ask before this, shoot us, shoot us an email. We'll see what we can do.
0: Definitely, visit us online at securitygate.io. Uh, feel free to drop us a question anytime. We're always happy to help. Thanks guys, this was fun. We'll, uh, we'll be announcing the next one soon. And uh, in the meantime, uh, stay in touch. We'll see y'all later, thanks for joining. Have a good day.